funny thing happens in the new Drake video for his song Sticky. After watching the Canadian rapper wrap up a show, we see him stunting next to luxury vehicles and fording a private jet. Next, he's helming a sailboat, just regular rapper stuff. But right as he says, you see free YSL written in big neon green slime dripping on your screen. It's kind of jarring and doesn't really gel with anything else happening in the song or the video. But the most popular rapper in the world is taking a beat to plea for the release of one of the most popular rappers in the world. Big Slime is an alias for Young Thug. He and Gunna, another wildly popular rapper, are behind bars awaiting trial, and their bars might be used against them. That's coming up on Today Explained. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. That guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Hey, just a heads up, today's show has lots of strong language. Today, today explain. We wanted to know what's going on with Young Thug and Gunna, why two of the most popular rappers in America are behind bars, and why their bars might be used against them in court. So we reached out to Jewel Wicker. She's the editor-at-large for Capital B in Atlanta. I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia, born and raised here, and have worked here for at least five, six years. She's going to give you a little primer on Young Thug and Gunna in case you're not familiar with their work. So Young Thug is an Atlanta rapper. He's been around for about a decade now, uh, first kind of as a local radio star and then breaking out on the national scene with songs like Stoner. I'm Stoner, I'm Stoner, I'm Stoner, I'm Stoner. You know, he's really made a name for himself, not just as an artist who kind of utilizes his voice and melodies in some really unique ways. I want you out of my life. I want you back here tonight. I'm trying to cut you no knife. I want to slice you and dice you. My argument presents it. It got you precise. Can you not turn off the TV? I'm watching it fight. He's also pretty prolific. So, for example, in 2020 alone, he racked up 14 hits on the Billboard Hot 100. And that's despite not releasing a solo project that year. He's also notably the founder of a very successful music label called Young Stoner Life, or YSL. And one of the biggest acts on that label is a rapper named Gunna. Hey, 
Gunna's rap style is certainly a nod to Young Thug, but he's also really been able to make a name for himself as a solo artist with songs like Drip Too Hard, which features Lil Baby. And it's also worth noting that both men are kind of really popular on the fashion scene as well. Yeah. Young Thug has a really distinct style, right? Yeah, Young Thug has a really distinct style. I mean, I think, you know, one of the album artworks of his that went viral, he was wearing a dress, which, you know, was really a controversial big thing at the time. Way before Brad Pitt wore a dress. Oh, yeah, way before Brad Pitt. And then Gunna, I mean, big enough that I profiled him for uh, GQ earlier this year, and a part of the uh, peg for the profile was, like, his closet, a look Mm. inside his closet at what he's wearing and kind of the fashion sense that he has. Wasn't Gunna, like, a musical guest on SNL at some point? Ladies and gentlemen, Gunna. Oh, yeah, he had a number one album this year. You know, we talk about Young Thug, and I think it is true that he's one of the biggest rappers in the world, but Gunna certainly is more than his protege. You know, when I profiled him earlier this year, it was fresh off the heels of him receiving a number one album. Push P. He came out with a viral hit, Pushing P, that a bunch of brands and artists kind of jumped on that train. He's really, really popular. Putting us in a paddock in my piece, I'm Pushing P. So what is going on with these two guys right now? Why are we talking about them? You know, so on May 9th, Young Thug was arrested at his home in Atlanta and he was booked into the Fulton County Jail and charged with conspiracy to violate the RICO Act. The rapper and 28 other defendants charged in a 56-count indictment alleging street gang activity, including robbery and murder. And then two days later, Gunna also surrendered and turned himself into authorities for the same thing. He's also facing RICO charges. Okay, and people who watch, like, mob movies or The Sopranos have probably heard of RICO charges. Since you are at the helm, it all gets back to putting up bigger blinds, really limiting your exposure to potential RICO bobos. Only way to run a family these days is bunker style. You pee route through the slit. Mumses. For those people who don't, what are RICO charges? So they're being charged on the state level, but RICO itself is the Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. It started out as a federal law, but now almost all states, including Georgia, have adopted similar state RICO laws. And Georgia's law is, of course, based on the federal act, which has been used to target mafia families like the Gambinos. It focuses on organized crime and only requires the state to prove that some group of people are committing a pattern of crimes. Are Young Thug and Gunna in the mafia? So it's being alleged that they're a part of an organized gang. That's kind of the basis of these charges. In this particular case, because he had this record label, they're alleging that through the record label, he was able to create this criminal enterprise to further this criminal activity in violation of the RICO Act. So prosecutors are really alleging that they are a part of a a gang that has committed a number of crimes throughout Atlanta, right? They are committing conservatively 75 to 80 percent 
of all of the violent crime that we are seeing within our community. This is kind of a hybrid gang made up of Bloods and Crips, and together they've committed crimes that are in furtherance of this gang. That's what they're alleging. As large as this indictment is, I told my team that let's not be sexy, let's not overreach. Let's be conservative in our approach, which is always the approach that I take. And in taking that approach, 28 defendants were indicted, and they were indicted for the crimes that I believe were appropriate for this RICO indictment. I mean, it's worth noting that prosecutors are alleging that Gunn and Young Thug aren't just a member of this gang, but that they're the leaders of it. Mm. But there were other people named in this indictment, um, a rapper named YSL Duke, a rapper named Yak Gotti, and a rapper named Unfunk. Again, all a part of this really large indictment that came down in May. Hmm. Okay. What is this YSL gang being accused of doing exactly? It's worth noting that, one, there is a debate over what YSL is. Uh, Prosecutors say YSL stands for Young Slime Life. Uh, Young Thug and people in the rap industry say it stands for Young Stoner Life. Prosecutors, of course, allege that Young Slime Life predates and existed long before the record label itself. But they're saying that the people in the gang, including Young Thug and Gunna, have committed a number of crimes. And the the allegations in this indictment really range uh, from wearing a chain in a music video and kind of repping YSL, which they, of course, argue is a a record label, to, uh, say, purchasing a car that is then used in the commission of a murder. And, and some of these charges are still uh, being brought down. So, say, Young Thug, for instance, was just charged with six more things in relation to his arrest earlier this month. They include participation in criminal street gang activity, possession of marijuana with intent to distribute, possession of codeine with intent to distribute, possession of cocaine, possession of a firearm during the commission of a crime, and possession of a machine gun. So this is in addition to the original indictment that we saw in May, right? That's important because we're still seeing charges being added to to kind of what prosecutors are alleging uh, here. And and they're still in jail. They've been in jail this entire time since May. Uh, We've had a couple bond hearings so far. The judge every time has denied bond, kind of citing uh, fear of witness intimidation. Gunna turned 29, you know, since he's been in jail, and he released uh, a letter uh, that kind of proclaimed his innocence and really um, leaned in heavy on what we think defense attorneys are going to use, kind of this idea that Black art and lyrics are being used unfairly to uh, criminalize uh, these men. Tell me more about that. Is that like a a big part of this case here, that they're going to be using Young Thug and Gunna's lyrics? Yeah, I mean, it was used several times in the indictment, and it also has come up several times in some of the bond hearings, you know, uh, several songs like Take It to Trials. Flatty. One of the lyrics from anybody that Young Thug raps is, I never killed anybody, but I got something to do with that body. And prosecutors have brought up 
several times in in hearings that we've had so far that they again allege that Young Thug is the leader of YSL, the criminal street gang. They don't think that he has necessarily gone out and murdered someone himself, but that he is the one that is kind of orchestrating and giving permission for these crimes to be committed. So they're specifically leaning into this lyric hard because they're saying it's proof that what they're alleging is true. I never killed anybody, but I got something to do with that body. I got this grease on my back, carry it like I'm moving the body. I told him to shoot a hundred rounds, like he trying to move it about it. The question of whether or not rap lyrics should be admissible in court. In a minute on Today Explained. Support for Today Explained comes from Mint Mobile, the only cell phone that tastes good. When the deal is too good to be true, there's probably a catch, right? That incredibly cheap flight to Europe? You probably can't bring a bag or pick your seat or use the restroom. So when I tell you that Mint Mobile offers wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably wondering, what's the catch? Well, according to Mint Mobile, there is no catch. According to Mint Mobile, it's only 15 bucks a month and their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, you can go to mintmobile.com slash explain. That is mintmobile.com slash explain. You can cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash explain. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Support for Today Explained comes from Ramp. This ad goes out to all the finance professionals looking for love. I'm just kidding. Looking for a better way to simplify business finance across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting. And to all the accountants tired of the same old finance software, Ramp may be the answer you've been looking for. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. So what does that mean? Well, according to Ramp, they give finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spending. Issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions. Automate expense reporting so you don't waste time. Ramp says its accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so that you don't have to. That could put an end to chasing down receipts and to your employees spending hours submitting expense reports. And now you can get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash explained, ramp.com slash explained, ramp.com slash explained. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members FDIC. Terms and conditions do apply. You know, rap is free speech. Rap is poetry. It's literature. Uh, it's drama. It's storytelling. Uh, and it should not be criminalized. Today Explained, we're back, and we want to talk about whether rap lyrics should even be admissible in court. And if so, in what context? We reached out to an academic who's also a lawyer to find out. My name is Timothy Weldbeck. I am the director for the Anti-Racism Center at Temple University. I'm also an Africology professor there and civil rights attorney in Philadelphia. Professor Timothy Welbeck also happens to be a bit of a rapper. I do rap. (laughs) 
They call my mother's father Carpenter Red They say he can build a house with all he conjured within his head He had no usage for a blueprint, just a saw on the ledge A hand and nails and architecture started to erect now so it won't surprise you that he's not crazy about this idea of prosecuting rappers with their art. As a whole, I generally discourage the practice. I particularly take issue with it because at its core, rap lyrics are a form of artistic expression. And it's a medium in which people not only communicate their lived experience, but also delve deeply into their imagination as well. And so we want to give them liberty to do that. And so then to have people create this genuine form of art and then to potentially suffer some type of punishment as a result of it is what I find to be troubling, particularly because of the racial dynamics to it, too. This has been a debate that's been going on for decades. Tell me about that history. Where does it start? So it starts back in the 90s. It actually even begins before that. So if you'll remember circa the late 80s, we began to see a rise of a different level of content that was beginning to enter into the popular space, beginning with Schooly D's PSK. Got to the place and who did I see? A sucker-ass nigga trying to sound like me. Put my pistol up against his head. I said, sucker-ass nigga, that's what she did. Ice tea, six in the morning. Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh Shadita squeak across the bathroom floor. Out my back window, I'm with my escape. Then NWA's catalog. It began to create a shift in not only the type of music that was coming out, but how it was speaking to certain social conditions. And very quickly, people began to term that gangster rap. And if you may remember, Tipper Gore, among others, began having a campaign around trying to censor gangster rap and paint it as something that was untenable for public consumption. There's songs about rape, thrill killing, uh, sadomasochism. There's a song that goes, quote, not a woman but a whore, I can taste the hate. Well, now I'm killing you, watch your face turning blue, unquote, by a group that has sold two million copies of that particular album. They're very popular. And so as that debate continued raging into the early 90s, you began to see prosecutors using rap lyrics as a form of evidence against people in trial. You also have prosecutors literally saying these rap lyrics are almost like party confessions. What is maybe one of the more prominent cases that's come forward that used an artist's lyrics against the artist in a trial? Draco the Ruler and Tay-K are, I think, two cases that really caught people's attention, particularly with Draco the Ruler. Prosecutors allege that Caldwell was a part of a botched plot to kill a rival at a party he attended in December 2016. Allegedly in the midst of a shootout, he and his gang had accidentally murdered 24-year-old Davion Gregory. But notwithstanding, his lyrics were used in trial as a means in which to establish a motive and saying that the person who was killed was killed in part because they had a longstanding beef with him. And this beef that he had was something that he articulated in his music. Everything I state is facts. I'm not these other street niggas, but I could really rap. I'm riding around town with a Tommy gun and a jag, and you could disregard the yelling RJ tied up in the back. Man, stop playing. And so as a consequence of him articulating this in the music, people were trying to use that in trial. How successful have prosecutors been using this approach? Do, do the lyrics sort of 
tip the scales in, in their favor? Are they winning cases? So you have to even have the court agree that these lyrics can be introduced as evidence. And so many defense attorneys have argued that lyrics are immaterial, they're irrelevant, uh, it's, they're prejudicial, things like that. And defense attorneys in most of these cases that I just mentioned have lost those motions trying to suppress that type of evidence to try to keep it out of trial. Hmm. And now that they're used in trial, how influential are they for the jury? And it seems as though in some of these cases, they are having an impact on how the jury is weighing the evidence. And if nothing else, when used in court, the thing that many people are arguing about is how they're painting a narrative about some of these rappers and the genre of rap as a whole rappers themselves as individuals, and then particularly those who are standing trial, is getting people to believe that they're predisposed to committing certain criminal acts, even if these are entirely fictitious accounts or forms of artistic expression and the like. Have there been cases where the art wasn't fictitious? I, I think about, you know, where where is the line? If If a rapper says, you know, I killed Mike on 354 State Street, and then they go to 354 State Street and they find Mike there. Is that something that that can be further investigated, or should there be this this you know golden rule that well that was art, man? You can't be using the art in court, you know. That's where a lot of the debate hinges, and what most what most people will say is that if you make a specific claim in lyrics that point to a specific crime that only the person who committed the crime could have known, you should reasonably expect that your lyrics will be used against you. Hmm. As MF Doom said, you'd be a rap snitches telling all your business, going in the court, be your own star witness. Do you see the perpetrator? Yeah, I'm right here. Fuck around, get the whole label sent up for years. Uh, rap snitches telling all their business. Sit in the court and be their own star witness. Do you see the perpetrator? Yeah, I'm right here. Fuck around, get the whole label sent up for years. So like, in that instance, it's permissible and it makes sense. But what most people are decrying is the broader sense in which rap lyrics are used to paint a narrative about these young Black men and women who have a predisposition to commit criminal offenses. They're inclined to be inherently violent. And as a consequence, you can use their lyrics almost to a sole degree as a form of evidence. That's what people have an issue with. So when you look at criminal proceedings, what we have to weigh is that the court, if they're successful, are going to deprive you of your life, your liberty, or your property. And so in order to do that, they have to meet a burden of proof. They have to establish that you committed a crime beyond reasonable doubt. And to only base that on rap lyrics is insufficient. And where do you think we're heading with Young Thug and Gunna, two of the biggest rappers in the United States and and thus the world? I think it's different with, with, with each of them. So on its face, the initial indictment, I thought was lazy in some of its presumptions and the, the indictment that originally was made public. I think here they may have gone a step too far because they're charging these individuals with criminal activity, crimes under Georgia law, which really may be limited to just things they've said, either on social media, or in song lyrics. And ultimately, I think that's going to be a problem. I think what has shifted, I guess, our analysis in the time there since is that 
we have learned that there are people who are willing to testify against Young Thug. And there's other evidence that they believe, the prosecution believes that they have that they can use against him. I think that's what shifts the scales against Thug. And regrettably, he is facing potentially some serious time in prison based on if, again, the prosecution can prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. But what I'm saying is that it appears as though the prosecution, at the very least with Thug, has more evidence against him than just his lyrics. And so as a consequence, that's something that should be troubling to him. So we'll see how it goes. For people who are struggling to wrap their heads around why someone like Young Thug would be wrapped up in potentially, you know, RICO cases and, and, and gang violence, what what's going on there? Is there something about where he's from that, that doesn't allow him to escape? I'll say a couple of things to that. Young Thug in particular and many rappers more broadly come from some of the most marginalized communities in all of the country. They're in some of the most least desirable parts of cities that have been laid to waste by urban neglect and other discriminatory policies. And so it makes sense then that hip-hop, a culture that emerged from the inner city in the U.S., it's going to be predominated by people who come from these types of circumstances and at times document their lived experience in their music, even if they take creative license. To put it succinctly, when you got someone like Thug coming from the trap and your living condition looks like a trap, it's going to be difficult for you to make it out outside of a box or in a cage. And Young Thug did the miraculous and did that. And he was trying to bring a lot of his people with him. And some of those people did not have the same access that some of his colleagues' networks may have had access to. And that's not necessarily something we should punish them for. And so with that, I hope that Doug continues to get a fair trial. I hope his legal counsel mounts a vigorous defense for him. And we'll see what happens from there. I gotta tell you that you're dying too. Professor Timothy Welbeck, he's the director for the Anti-Racism Center at Temple University. He's a civil rights attorney in Philadelphia, and he's a rapper. Wherever you listen, he goes by Timothy Welbeck. I go by Sean Ramos for him. Earlier in the show, you heard from Jewel Wicker from Capital B. Our producer goes by Hadi Mawagdi. Our fact checker is Laura Bullard. And Afim Shapiro mixed and mastered this episode of Today Explained. I always knew it I'd be great. Cause my coach told me I was slow, but I was running at a fast pace. Huh? They trying to divide us and conquer the world with it. They got a couple of the guys and all of the girls with it. But I'm a mastermind, I see right through it. I see that. They got a couple of diamonds and the rest of pearls in it. They say you poke it, you black, right to your face. They say where you live, you'll never be able to own that place. My father said you change it all with your performance. And by the way, your life's a VV Stone charm. They take the land and then they take who all can come. But I tell you, with a long sleeve, I bet on yeah. I'm high enough to be on a Milky Way tomorrow. If you want it, you go get up earlier than any morning. If you want it, you go get up earlier than anyone. Put on my socks, grab my Glock, the stick under the couch, tie off my shoes, and get flip flops, and it's top of the top. R.P. Nelson, you know what I'm saying? If you were.